listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Welcome to another episode of Cinema 7. I'm your host today, the lone host, Mario B. And today I'm going to be talking about the movie Nope. I'm going to try not to give away too much, not try to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it. I'll try to be as vague, but also give information for the things that I did like as possible. So before I get into some of these talking points I wanted to speak about on this episode. I wanted to clear up some things from last week's episode, the Fire and Ice special, talking about The Last Jedi. I said that me and Chris Hawk were inclusive Star Wars fans, and I was talking about my friend John's opinion of The Last Jedi. Now, I'm not excluding him from that. John Kenoki of Cinema 7, if you've heard him in the past, he is a very inclusive Star Wars fan. Very inclusive fan in general. He's one of the biggest male feminists I know. But we did, at the end of that episode, tell fans who were being racist, who were attacking the actors, who didn't have real constructive criticism of these movies and just were saying things like Mary Sue or, um, you know, you're, you're taking masculinity out of these movies. And we're trying to act like this movie's. The Star Wars movies are not for kids. We said, shut the F up. Um, How would you feel if someone were to uh, shit all over you when you went to your job for maybe a full week straight? You know, your whole work week, your 80 hours, two weeks or whatever, 40 hours a week. And uh, I stand by that. I'm not going to apologize for that. I think you need to shut the F up. I don't think you should be attacking these actors, I I think if you don't have constructive criticism and it's mostly racist or sexist, we don't need that in Star Wars. Uh, You need to be inclusive. You need to be open-minded. Star Wars needs to be diverse. Not only that, um, if you are a Star Wars fan and you're not a Star Trek fan, and I know there's a rivalry there because of fans, uh, well, some fans, look, Star Trek fans are inclusive, they are open-minded, they are diverse, and Star Trek fans make Star Wars fans look really bad because of how Star Wars fans make themselves look, uh, if that makes sense. So if you're a Star Wars fan, you need to try, you need to, try to change the way you think because uh, you're making Star Wars look bad and you're making the rest of the Star Wars community look bad. So... We stand by what we said last episode. Uh, If I had to break it down on a spectrum, so on the far right side is really loves The Last Jedi, Chris Hawk would probably be at the end of that list. Then you have a middle bar, and then you have maybe an in-between, and then you have on the far left really disliked The Last Jedi. I would say my friend John is in-between the neutral bar, so on the left side of the neutral bar, there's a 50% bar. 
So you're 50% neutral, 50% dislike. You're right in the middle. I feel like John Kenoki would be between that 50% bar and the really dislikes The Last Jedi bar on the far left. I am probably in between the 50% hates Last Jedi and the neutral bar. Mostly because I saw a lot of potential in what they were doing with the movie versus what actually happened with the plot because of what happened in Force Awakens. I do think that shows the three of us, the podcast, how we're willing to cooperate and respect each other's opinions and the various opinions that we have and are willing to talk about, which is a good thing, as you should respect your friends' opinions and everyone else if there's real constructive criticism, as hopefully me and Chris Hawk had some really good opinions on The Last Jedi with our rewatch or revisit from last week's episode. Now, I do want to address, um, as I'm approaching the last episode, I did say this was the last ride tour. Uh, before, I did state I had three more episodes left. Those three episodes have come and gone, and I'm still doing episodes. So I dubbed it the last ride tour to the final episode. Uh, I wanted to do a special episode, or one each of our special episodes that we have. So we have take two where we revisit or rewatch something. We have overdue where we watch for the first time something that's really big in the pulp culture that we haven't seen before. We've only done one of those before, so I wanted to do one before the end. Uh, We did Pitch It or Fix It, but it mostly became Pitch It, where we pitch movies. We had three attempts in the last two years to put out a new Pitch It episode, but two of them didn't go as, as we planned because we couldn't save or recover the file. The third one uh, because of internet lag and things and mostly Wi-Fi connection, the voice of one of our hosts could not be fully heard or understood for that episode, and I couldn't get them to re-record their dialogue. One of the other big uh, pitchets we did was maybe three years ago when they anna- first announced doing a Doctor Doom movie. We did a pitch it for a Doctor Doom movie. That's one of the lost episodes. But I was trying to do an overdue. I was trying to get the guys to do an overdue, a pitch it, and a take two to close out the podcast on this last ride tour. But unfortunately, um, you know, I I don't want to say anything bad, but uh, they're busy. I'll I'll put it that way. Uh, I'm not getting the communication or the collaboration that I can to properly end the podcast the way I want to with. Uh, my two other co-hosts who have helped me with the podcast since the beginning. So I'm probably going to be doing the last episode by myself as of right now. Uh, That's mostly what I wanted to address uh, concerning the podcast. So the other stuff I'm going to talk on this podcast is completely uh, random. Like I said, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Nope at the end. Uh, But I had this thought in my mind recently. I was talking to a co-worker. You know, whoever makes astronaut suits... Why are they not making firefighter or fireman suits? I feel like there's a no-brainer. I feel like we need to put, like, cooling system into work outfits, uh, like, 
nurses' outfits, or maybe we can have some kind of cooling outfit for mechanics that work in garages or construction workers. Like who the people who are designing these suits for NASA, why are they not helping design these suits for regular citizens as the heat is getting pretty bad? I'm just throwing that out there. I felt like that was a good idea, and I was not high at the moment, so don't believe that. Uh I also had this this uh train of thought that I wanted to bring up, uh, because I saw that a lot of Republicans voted against this new bill. That would raise taxes, which, you know, I understand. You don't want taxes to go up. I get that. You know, you, you don't want more money coming out of your paycheck. You want the most of the money you make. I felt like it would have been going to a good cause, as most of the things that are brought up like that are. Uh, but I realized, you know, the same people who are making the Biden I did that stickers about the gas prices going up are also the ones who voted not to lower the oil prices. Uh, but let's move on from some political talk. And here's a big one. Uh, Vince McMahon retired from the WWE, uh, mostly amid his uh, recent allega- uh, allegations of sexual misconduct. Let's put it that way. Uh, him abusing his power and position in a company to pay off women he has had an affair with. I don't think this is correct behavior, and even if the women took the bribe, I still don't think it's appropriate. Uh, Like I said, I think he definitely used his power, his position, and how much money he makes to hold that over their heads so they wouldn't talk. Fear is a hell of a tactic to use, especially for rich and powerful men. Um, I'll talk more about that in the next episode when I talk about AEW versus WWE. Right now, good riddance. Let's hope the product changes for the better. There's been a Will Smith update. He just put out a video uh, of him talking about what happened at the Oscars with Chris Rock, him slapping Chris Rock. It's mostly him answering frequently asked questions uh, that are directed towards him. Now, I, I've talked about this subject matter on the podcast before on an on a episode this past year. After it happened, uh, when it was all the buzz, so I'm not going to go too much into how I didn't approve of the behavior. Uh, I think there are a lot more mature ways to defend your significant other. Uh, I think you have to be a grown-up in the matter, and I don't think it should be applauded the way he did it. And I know a lot of women or significant others out there are going to be like, he supported me, stuck up for, like, I want that support, I want someone to stick up for me like that. That's all fine and dandy, but as I noted last time I talked about it, if you are in a situation where you are going to get into a physical altercation, you need to remove yourself from that situation, and I think that's the more mature and adult thing to do. Now, I do applaud him in for this video because I think it shows vulnerability. And I think, as you'll hear, because I'm going to play the video and what he says, it's about five minutes long. I think it's the best way to go about it. I I think that being open about something that you think you did wrong and, and how you want to change that behavior and be a better person, I think that's entirely the best thing to do, even as a celebrity, like to have that vulnerability. 
why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? I was fogged out by that point. It's, 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 it's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris um, and the, mes the message that came back is that uh, he's not ready to talk. And when he is, he will reach out. So I will, I will say to you, um, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. I, I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did and you know, that was one of the things about that moment. I just didn't realize and, you know, I wasn't thinking, but how many people got hurt in that moment. So I want to uh, apologize to Chris's mother. I want to apologize to uh, Chris's family, uh, specifically Tony Rock. You know, we had a great relationship. You know, Tony Rock was my man. Um, and uh, this, this, is, this is probably irreparable. I spent the last three months um, replaying and understanding the nuances and, and the complexities of what happened in, in that moment. Um, and I'm not going to try to unpack all of that right now, but I can say to all of you, there is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. There's no part of me that thinks that's the optimal way to handle a feeling of disrespect or, or insults. After Jada rolled her eyes, did she tell you to do something? No. Um, it's like, you know, I'm, I made a choice on my own from my own experiences, from my history with Chris, Jada had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. I'd say sorry to my, my kids and, and my family for the heat that I brought on all of us. Um, to all my fellow nominees, you know, this is a community. It's like I won because you, you voted for me. And it, it, it really breaks my heart to have stolen and, and tarnished, tarnished your moment. I can still see Quest Love's eyes. You know, it, it happened on Quest Love's uh, award. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry really isn't sufficient. What would you say to the people who looked up to you before the slap or people who expressed that you let them down? So there's two things. One, um, disappointing people is my central trauma. Um, I hate when I let people down. Um, so it, it hurts. Uh, it hurts me psychologically and emotionally to know I didn't live up to uh, people's image and impression of me. And the work I'm trying to do is I am deeply remorseful 
and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself, right? I'm human and I made a mistake and I'm trying not to think of myself as a piece of shit. Um, so I would say to those people, I know it was confusing. I know it was shocking. Um, but I, I promise you, I am uh, deeply devoted and committed to putting light and love and joy into the world. And, you know, if you, if you hang on, I promise we'll be able to be friends again. Now, he did mention in there that he, his, one of his central traumas is letting people down and, or dis, disappointing people. Uh, I also have a trauma dealing with letting people down, and it has caused me issues in my relationships with communication, and it also causes issues with me becoming defensive. And as you heard, and as I said before I played the video, I think being vulnerable is the best step in any right direction, uh, which we have to normalize admitting we're wrong. We have to normalize correcting our behavior. We have to normalize apologizing for when we're wrong, and we have to work at being better. And I think being vulnerable and open is the right thing to do. Now, I didn't need to see the sun's water bottle in the shot, though. I don't think that was necessary. Now, before I start talking about Nope, there are two other movies I watched. I watched The Gray Man on Netflix, and I watched The Princess on Hulu. Personally, I thought The Princess was better than The Gray Man. I think that the Russo brothers have shown without uh, a structured process, like probably what Kevin Feige provides, they are really not that good, and, and they're, what they come up with is all over the place. Now, 21 Bridges, which was produced by them with Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P., was not really that good of a movie either. So the, the Gray Man it just has this very overly simplistic plot where it's mostly action. There's no substance to what's going on, or I should say the substance is if you have a measuring cup, it's definitely uh, not even halfway full. Now, Chris Evans does play a very good bad guy. I, th I can see him being a, a really good bad guy if he had more depth to his character or more scenes or more elaborate ways to counteract a protagonist, especially a likable protagonist or one that we can get attached to. This movie, I just didn't think it was that good. It's all action for action's sake, and it's got really cool music to distract you from the lack of plot that there is. It's not real elaborate. It's not not saying a movie has to be elaborate. Not saying a movie has to have a lot of substance to be enjoyable. I know some people out there that have enjoyed this movie. I just personally was very bored with it because it didn't hook me. And I think that it's probably because there was nothing to get hooked on. In my opinion, uh, other than that, it didn't keep my attention because I didn't care about any of the characters involved and the acting is not very good. 
Now, if you now if you've seen the princess, you might be thinking, "Hey, Mario, the princess is nothing but action all the way through, too, and it's people chasing her around, her trying to escape." Yes, that's correct, but there's also a mystery factor to the princess that keeps you watching. You're like, "Where is she from? Why did they kidnap her?" Uh, you want to see her escape. You might not know the character, maybe just as much as you know Ryan Gosling in The Gray Man, but I feel like I learned more about the protagonist and the princess throughout the movie than I ever even know about Ryan Gosling in The Gray Man. And yes, Ryan Gosling's character is a badass in the movie, and so is Chris Evans' characters. But I don't know anything about them other than that they're special agents and that they're badasses. But I, I guess I just don't care for his character. Where in The Princess, uh, I want to see her escape this castle. I want to see her get away from these people. The only attachment maybe you had to Ryan Gosling in The Gray Man was a flashback. And I don't think that was enough for me to really like as a character or get attached to uh, why he is doing what he's doing. Let me talk about Nope now. Uh, nope is directed and written by Jordan Peele. This movie is an original movie, which I really appreciate, but there are elements to it that remind me of other films like Jaws, Tremors, Signs, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of suspense and, and intensity in some of these shots, but it's not consistent throughout the movie. Now, the plot was not what I was expecting or what it turned into. Uh, I was kind of hoping for more aliens and more UFO activity. It's not as much UFO activity as I was hoping for. Um, and what I mean by more aliens is though this the entity is extraterrestrial, which I can say because I believe that was spoiled by Kiki Palmer and Jordan Peele themselves in an interview. There's an alien barn scene that had me psyched, like psyched out. It was definitely pretty scary. And obviously because of the title of the movie being Nope, which is based off of someone seeing a monster or hearing voices in the dark woods or seeing aliens in the sky, you're going to be like, yeah, Nope. That scene in the barn definitely had me yelling nope the entire time. And then it, it, it's just a shame it didn't hold up because of the twist. Now, the twist in this movie is pretty legit, though, so I can't lie. And, you know, the, obviously the idea of the twist is to change your expectations or to flip your expectations on its head. So I can't be mad at that and be too, entirely disappointed. Uh, in the twist being what it was or me not getting the actual alien stuff that I wanted because the object of the twist did its job. Uh, it was very, very Jaws, how it played out, how the intensity of scenes played out. And how I should explain that is you don't see the shark, right? You, you do see this entity or uned unidentified flying object but it's very sudden, it's very quick. You you see it with the character, how the character sees it. So you're you're constantly going, you know, what was that? What what's going on here? You know, in Jaws, you don't get to see the shark. Uh you just know about the deaths going on. So when you finally do see the shark, you're like, "Wow. 
you know, and when you finally see this, uh, I don't know if you're entirely blown away by the spectacle of it. I think they threw a lot of intensity and suspense at you or teased it a lot. So there was the alien barn scene and then right after that, because you, you get let down a little bit because you're like, dang, that it's not really aliens. So at the barn scene, it's scary, it's suspenseful, and then right after that, that tease, they kind of throw another one at you real rapid fire. So you don't get a chance to process, well, you do get a chance to process the barn scene. I think you're just let down by how much suspense and how scary it is because it's not actually real. It's not what you think it is. I'm a little conflicted, I guess, on the twist because I, I love the conspiracy and the mystery elements of UFOs and aliens in real life. Though, you know, I, I can't say I believe everything. I'm not one of those people who watches ancient aliens religiously and believes it, but which they kind of bring up in this movie, which they bring up in this movie. Because of my fascination with that world of paranormal or extraterrestrial life. Uh, I was drawn to this movie. So, Nope also does not have one significant uh, message or subtext like Get Out and Us does. This is more of a old-school monster movie. A, it's more like Jaws in its presentation more than it is The Day the Earth Stood Still or Signs. Though it has elements of a signs. If there was one theme or message in this, it's definitely don't mess with nature. Don't mess with the things that you don't understand. There's a monkey scene, which I don't know the significance exactly, but... I guess the vibe I got was the thing in the sky, you don't want to mess with it because you can't understand it. It's, it's wild in nature. It's something that cannot be tamed. If you mess with that for too long or if you try to tame it, it's almost like wild animals. So it's going to backfire on you. And just like uh, the scene with the monkey, it ended up backfiring. It's people trying to profit off of something exotic without fully understanding them because there is a wild nature to them. So I think the two correlated. And I think that's what the lesson was, was for us not to mess with the unknown or things that should be left wild. There also is a sense of ignorance in the world of Hollywood that he portrays in this movie. So I think that was definitely one of the themes too. I think the significance of him making the characters around the protagonists ignorant, I think, is to not only A, make the main characters more likable, but also to show that these other entitled people who are trying to make money and profit and uh, who have everything that they want are not always the smartest people. And sometimes the people who aren't book smart or seem not as smart because of 
uh, you know, the real world issues that they have are actually more intelligent uh, because of their street smarts or their uh, intuition to pick up on things that are outside of these other people's control because they are being ignorant or entitled or looked down on everyone else. I guess to uh, make it sound better or more short, it's taking characters who other characters are viewing as not in, as intelligent as them or as good as them, uh, but showing that they are smarter than these other characters who are being ignorant. I hope that maybe that sounds better. It's uh, not as long-winded as I made it sound. Uh, the cinematography in this movie is uh, excellent. I think there are a lot of scenes in this that are going to be iconic uh, that will hold up or hold the test of time because it's, it's going to be related to shots like when you first see Godzilla or when King Kong uh, is on top of the Eiffel Tower. There are shots in this movie that I think will be remembered like when the pan zooms in on the main character of Jaws when he sees Jaws for the first time. When he turns around to alert the other people in the boat. When he says we're going to need a bigger boat. I think there's shots in this movie that are going to be classic. Uh, one in particular is the raining on the house scene. So, spoiler, the, the thing flies over the house. And it's raining. There's a big storm. Uh, then there's also blood dripping from the UFO. That's in the sky above the house. And it's just spitting out all this blood on the house. Uh, and in this particular shot that I really like, it's uh, showing it everything dripping down the house. It pans down to the steps and they're slowly panning upward to the front door. And you can see the blood running down the steps of the porch. And the shot is just looks great. Uh, it's memorable, and I think it's one of the best shots of the movie, and I think it's going to stick with me for a while. He also takes the um, iconic motorcycle slide from Akira. There's a pretty cool scene with Kiki Palmer with, with that, so it's like the Akira motorcycle slide shot. Um, if you, if you uh, are very familiar with Akira, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. You can, or you can just look up Akira motorcycle slide, and you see what I, what I mean. And he steals that shot directly from Akira, and it's really visually cool uh, how he does it. So the ending, it's a big chase. It's almost like Tremors. It had a very Western feeling to it. Uh, the shot of the brother and the horse felt very Western. Um, I got a lot of themes from this movie. I think overall, I'd probably give this... Uh, 8.6 out of 10. I think it would be higher if uh, I didn't want aliens so much. Now, that's my own expectations. Um, don't go into it with the same feeling or like I'm saying it's a bad movie. It's actually really good. It's just I wanted aliens. I wanted more eerie, scary elements to the movie. But again, like I said, that's my own expectations. Uh, but it is still a fantastic movie. The cinematography and the visuals are wonderful. They're beautiful in this film. 
I think we need more original things like this in Hollywood, so I really dig it. It's definitely in my top 10 for the year, which a couple episodes ago I revealed what my top 10 was so far. I think this is definitely going on there, which is going to knock something off. So if you want to see it, definitely go check it out. Form your own opinion of it, and hopefully you really like it uh, as much as I did. Now, since I played that Will Smith clip, uh, I have been ending the podcasts on self-care, self-love type of motivation. And not just for people listening, but also for me and to reassure myself. So let's talk about something different on, at the end of this episode. If you're thinking about going to therapy, if you have thought about going to therapy, I really think you should go. Now, ultimately, this is your decision, uh, and, and nobody should make you feel like you need to go. Um, you should go for yourself. Nobody should force you to go. You have to make this journey on your own to go to therapy, and therapy is really scary at first. I'm not going to lie, I, I've said this before in the podcast, and, and I have been really scared to go to therapy. Uh, I'm a very anxious person, I have high anxiety, so it was quite the test for myself to go. It was, it was a challenge, and I feel like I exceeded that challenge. But yes, it was difficult. You know, I think there's some things you can really, really do. Not only be vulnerable with your, with your therapist, but with yourself. Look at the things you need to work on personally and bring them up in therapy. And create goals uh, with your therapist. I, I have been doing this uh, with each therapist I had. So I go into it because they ask you what do you want. You can just talk. You can just vent if you really want to. Um, which is uh, really comforting with therapy. I, I really wanted to go into it setting goals. And I, I think that's a good step into the right process of getting better. So you need to be vulnerable with yourself and open up on what you need to work on and relay that to your therapist and set goals on those things. So a lot of things I would work on is communication. Uh, anxiety, so getting out of my own head, being able to do things on my own, how I talk to people or how people talk to me, my reaction, not just uh, rejection in the, in the form of what I do for others, but also the rejection in people not wanting to hang out or people not wanting to do things. Uh, me Working on me ex- my expectations of doing things with others. So if you're going to therapy to change behavior or to better understand yourself, it is good to set goals. That is a form of self-care. That is a form of practicing self-love because you're setting these goals up to not only improve yourself, but to understand trigger points, uh, various other options of things that can be worked on that you didn't know about yourself prior. And I'm not perfect because I'm still working on the goals that I set in therapy. 
you know, if I could use an example, I don't, I don't want to get into too much detail, but when I was, when, with my breakup last year, I didn't handle it properly and I could have handled it way better. And I've had a friend go through almost the same thing and I watched the way they handled it and I've talked to them about how they're handling it. And I should have handled it in a similar fashion. I should have, ha- I should have handled it way better than I did. And I've learned uh, from them how I could handle a situation better with a person I love or a person I care about. And sometimes it's not always in therapy. Sometimes you're, you're going to learn from your friends or other individuals in your life. But getting to know yourself through therapy and understanding the things that bother you and using that as a way to create boundaries and other other things in your relationships uh it also helps with your confidence i think mostly in my opinion because you're starting to understand yourself better so ultimately if you're thinking about going if you have this fear of going and you think you need to go uh just go just get out there just just do it you know i've learned through anxiety that the best way to do something that you're afraid of doing is just to do it cuz once you rush yourself into it there's no backing out at that point and once you're done with it you'll be thankful that you just did it uh therapy is very helpful um you don't have to do a lot of sessions. Sometimes it's hard to find a therapist right away that aligns aligns with you. So it's a process in and of itself, but in the end, it's very rewarding. I know at the end of each session that I did for therapy, I, I felt better. I felt more relaxed. I felt like I accomplished something. Definitely look into finding a therapist if you believe you need it or if you are thinking about it that's all i have for this podcast definitely check out nope Uh, i think we really need to forgive will smith and move on i think in society too much we pay attention to celebrity and we idolize them or have or we worship them in society and we pay attention way too much to what they're doing and we forget that they're human they're just like us Uh, They just happen to make more money than us. If you can, find time to practice and really put in the effort to be more positive in your life. Positivity is the uh, way to a more healthy, uh, a more healthy mental way of life. It it definitely helps with your mental health. But if I have to take a crack at the old Chris Hawk send-off, it's thank you for listening with us, thank you for watching with us, and thank you for exploring with us. I'm Mario B. of Cinema 7. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll see you guys on the next stop on the Last Ride Tour. Like a sound you hear that lingers in your ear But you can't forget from sundown to